You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Cougars podcast. Hope you all are doing great. Plenty to get to ahead on this episode of the podcast. We'll continue on with our position previews, looking at one offensive and one defensive position. Today, we will take a look at the right tackle position for BYU's offensive line. We'll also take a look on the defensive side of the football at the Mike linebacker, headlined by Keenan Peely, but who else is there competing with him for playing time? We'll get into all of that ahead on today's show. We'll also take a look back at BYU football history, looking back at 1995 for the Cougars. The Steve Sarkeesian era begins, but one notable streak ends that year. We'll dig into all of that ahead on the show. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over the Locked On NBA channel. We want to remind you guys tomorrow the Locked On NBA Draft 2021, which is presented by Built Bar, will be live on the Locked On NBA YouTube page. NBA Draft GOAT Chad Ford will be joined by a Cavs of different hosts right here on the Locked On Podcast Network to react to every pick of the NBA draft. Subscribe to the Locked On NBA channel on YouTube now and get ready for that. It begins tomorrow, the live stream at 5 o'clock Mountain Time, once again on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel. All right, without further ado here on a hump day, let's dig into it. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 28th, 2021. What's up, my friends? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning. But a big thank you to all of you for joining us, whether you're tuning in for the very first time or you've listened to the over 800 different episodes we have done to this point on the podcast. A big thank you, nonetheless, for your support. And I call you guys my friends because this uh, relationship that we have in the podcast realm, it means a lot to me. And there are hundreds of you, if not thousands of you, who listen to this podcast on a fairly regular basis. I know there are a number of you who don't miss an episode. There are some of you who probably listen to two or three times a week, and some of you may be checking us out for the very first time. So big thank you all the same, and thanks for joining me as a friend. All right. uh, One note is I apologize. This podcast coming out a little bit later on a Wednesday, but yesterday was my wife's birthday and had to spend some time with her. Obviously, you got to make all the women in your life happy. Uh, Spending time with her and obviously ran out of time to record it when I normally do at night. But my wife, Megan, she makes this podcast go. I, I don't know how to adequately express how important a role she has taken on with me doing this. I've added a second podcast. I'm of you may be aware that I host a podcast that covers a certain team up north, but she is just an absolute, uh, how do I say it? Stud's probably the wrong term because she's a female, but Megan is incredible. She understands what I'm trying to accomplish with this podcast. She thinks it's absolutely phenomenal to the response that we have received over the nearly three years we've been doing it. And she means the absolute world to me. So it was important to me. I spent some time with her and getting this podcast a little bit out a 
little bit later is the result of that. But nonetheless, thank you for allowing me to step away for an evening and we'll get back onto our regular track and record uh, tonight for tomorrow, obviously, and keep you going and keep you up to date on everything going on with BYU Sports News. All right. Now with that stuff out of the way, let's actually get to what you guys are here for. And let's talk about BYU football and in particular, the BYU linebacker position and in even more detail, how about the BYU Mike linebacker position? We're doing these position previews we've been doing for the better part of two weeks now, looking at every individual position group on BYU's depth chart that they revealed at BYU Football Media Day in June. Well, today we're talking about the Mike linebacker position and the headliner for this position is a name that should be familiar to you as a BYU fan. If it's not, may I introduce to you Keenan Peely, a redshirt sophomore, six foot three, 233 pounds, a product of Timview High School. Keenan Peely, folks, is an absolute stud. He is going to play in the NFL if and when he decides to go to the NFL draft, potentially after this upcoming year, whether it's two years from now as he's a redshirt senior. No matter when it happens, he will get his shot in the NFL. He has got the perfect body type for the modern-day linebacker. He moves well. He knows what he's doing on the football field. He's a smart player, and I look forward to seeing what he does this year. I think that Peyton Wilgar gets a lot more of the headlines because he seems to make more of those quote-unquote highlight plays, but I'm telling you what, Keenan Peely is just an absolutely incredible linebacker. He is where he needs to be more often than not and just make him play after play. Yes, it may not be the the sexy, flashy play, the big interception in space or whatever it is, but I can tell you what, Keenan Peely comes downhill on running backs and absolutely hammers them. He just makes the right play when he needs to, and he's part of a family legacy at BYU. His older brother, Trajan Peely, was a linebacker and a defensive lineman for the Cougars during his playing days. Keenan is absolutely incredible, and Logan Peely, the the younger brother, the third brother in the Peely family, currently serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So this is yet yet another one of those legendary families uh, that really comes to BYU, and all the brothers seem to be standout players, and I really like what Keenan Peely is doing, and I expect him to be on the field more often than not this year. If he doesn't play upwards of 80% of the snaps, I'd be very surprised. But we all know that BYU likes to rotate their players. And that's where the backups here are a little bit intriguing to me. The number one backup, I guess the number two in this position, is a surprise to me. And that is Morgan Piper, a redshirt junior, former walk-on from Idaho. Morgan Piper has played defensive back for most of the time he's been at BYU. But over the offseason, has tried to bulk up a little bit. They list him at six foot two, 212 pounds. So still a little bit light for a middle linebacker, a Mike linebacker. But they have him as the key backup here to Keenan Peely, which is a surprise to me as he is making that transition, moving up from safety. Does his foot speed lend itself more to playing linebacker? Absolutely. Morgan Piper probably needed to be playing linebacker, but it just never was had the adequate size. And I still have my question marks if he can adequately replace what Keenan Peely would you what you would lose if you lost Keenan Peely on the field. I don't know about that. But the name just behind him, who has an or next to his name with the other player listed here, 
is Jackson Kafusi. That last name, obviously, everybody knows the last name Kafusi. Jackson is the younger brother of Isaiah Kafusi, and I'm actually surprised that Jackson Kafusi is not the main backup to Keenan Peely. Kafusi has been playing linebacker essentially his entire life. He's got the requisite size, 6'2", 226 pounds. He's also a redshirt sophomore, just like uh, Keenan Peely. But I look at uh, Jackson Kafusi as a guy who can contribute in multiple spots, but to see him running third or tied for third because the or next to his name also lists Nick Nethercott, a walk-on linebacker from up there near Logan. I believe it was a mountain crest that Nick Nethercott's from one of the Logan high schools, six foot two, uh, six, excuse me, six foot three, 210 pounds from Nethercott. But I just look at this and I really think that Jackson Kafusi is the surprise name to see him running third behind Morgan Piper. The good news is for the linebacker, that Mike linebacker spot for BYU is that Keenan Peely is going to be there. He is going to be an absolute stud once again, barring something unforeseen, unlike, well, not unlike, like an injury would absolutely have to come to keep him off the field. And I really look forward to seeing what Keenan Peely shows this year. I think he is going to put together an absolutely stellar season, and I think he'll become even more of a household name by the time the 2021 season concludes. All right, coming up a little bit later on, we'll flip back over to the offensive side of the football, talk about BYU's right tackle position. Similar to the left tackle we've talked about last week replacing a standout player at that position but they do have a proven option that'll step in at that spot we'll get to that a little bit later on but coming up momentarily we look back in BYU football history looking at the 1995 season for the BYU football program the Sark era begins Steve Sarkeesian takes over as BYU's quarterback how did it go we'll talk about that in just a second today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at bet online they are the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action no matter what your sporting interest is you're watching the olympics over there in tokyo you got futures odds you like to bet on with regards to college football or the nfl they've got it all covered for you guys and they want to make it easy for you no matter what your interest is go to bet online on your laptop or your mobile device to sign up for a free account today and while you're there take advantage of the special bonus they're offering to our listeners a 50 percent welcome bonus five zero you heard that right not 15 not one five 50 percent added to your account. It's free money to bet with when you go to betonline.ag. How to take advantage of that is when you get there, use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and get that 50% welcome bonus. Free money. It's all courtesy of BetOnline as they are your online sportsbook experts. Time now to look back at BYU football history as part of our 100 seasons of BYU football. We've been counting down literally every season since 1896 that BYU has played up through 2020. There are 100 of them. We've been counting it down, getting you ready for the upcoming 2021 season for BYU. And today we take a look back at 1995 for the Cougars. As I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, John Walsh exited BYU. And there's a lot of question marks about what might have happened had he decided to remain at BYU for the 95 season, but he decided to exit, and in his stead, in comes a transfer from El Camino Junior College in Southern California, Steve Sarkeesian. Now, John Walsh and Sarkeesian were friends down there in Southern California, and when BYU was recruiting Sarkeesian, he had some inside knowledge of what BYU was doing at quarterback, considering John Walsh told him that he was leaving for the NFL draft. That opened the door for Sarkeesian to come to BYU and take over right Right away as BYU's head coach. There was a story written uh, back in 2010 uh, when Washington came to BYU. It was actually Sarkeesian's 
first trip back to Provo since his playing days had ended in 1996. And the quote in here said that uh, Sarkeesian said he was looking to, uh, excuse me, quote, I just wanted to get into an environment where football was important and education was important because I had two years to get two things done. I wasn't there to have a good time or to have the college experience. I was there to win games and get a degree. Well, uh, amongst options such as Washington State, San Diego State, and Kansas State, he found BYU to be the fit for him, comes into BYU and wins the starting quarterback job. Paul Shoemaker would serve as his backup but play very sparingly for the Cougars during the 1995 season. And he got off to a little bit of a bumpy start because... BYU opened the year at Air Force, and it's kind of a tough thing to go and face that triple option as your very first game of the year. It's just a tough offense to face any time of the year, I feel like. But BYU was blown out 38-12. to The offense just couldn't get untracked. The following week, they welcomed number 12 UCLA to Provo in a showdown against the number 12-ranked Bruins, losing that game 23-9. And we all know how BYU fans respond when BYU starts a season 0-2, don't we? Yes. There's a lot of unrest. BYU bounced back the following week, beating San Diego State at home 31-19, following that up another week later with a road game at Colorado State, winning 28-21. Then they had a big game at Arizona State in Sun Devil Stadium down there in Tempe, lost a little bit of a heartbreaker, 29-21, dropping them to 2-3 on the year. But then they reeled off four straight wins. They started it off with three straight home games, beating Wyoming, Hawaii, and Tulsa in successive weeks. Uh, Wyoming 23-20, blowing out Hawaii 45-7, which Hawaii at the end of the year would actually have an open uh, job. They would fire their head coach. And Tulsa winning 45-35, then capping that four-game win streak with a win at New Mexico in Albuquerque 31-14. And then came the final two games of the year for BYU, where BYU at this point, they went from 2-3 and three to now sitting at 6-3. and three. And you've really started thinking, okay, if BYU can win these last two games of the year, they have a home game against Utah and then a road game at Fresno State. They could win the WAC title, win a bowl berth, and continue their streak of 17 straight years of playing in a bowl game. Well, the third straight loss, the third straight season of losing to Utah was the result on November 18th. They lost that game 34-17. to So back-to-back 34-31 to losses for the Cougars. Uh, they lose 34-17 to to Utah. And then the following week, if they want to have any chance of capturing or uh, getting in as a co-champion of the WAC, they had to go to Fresno State and beat the Bulldogs. Well, that's what they did. They went to Fresno State, who was having a down year overall, won that game 45-28, to and ended up in a four-way tie for the WAC title. Colorado State, Utah, and Air Force along with BYU, all had 6-2 and two records in the Western Athletic Conference standings that season. BYU, as a result of this, had they beaten Utah, obviously, you're the WAC champions, you get a bowl berth. But as such, with four different teams that were bowl eligible and co-champions of the WAC, BYU was actually left out of a bowl game for the first time in 17 years. There was some stories out there saying that BYU was under consideration to play in games uh, such as down in, I I believe it was Miami, uh, the CarQuest Bowl. I don't know where that was being played at that point, but Miami couldn't go bowling. Arkansas got that berth. And the quote from Lavelle Edwards trying to put lipstick on the pig said, I've always thought the WAC championships are more important than bowl games. I wouldn't trade the championship for a bowl. 
Well, okay, that's worth, I, I get it. Uh, Coach Edwards trying to put a good face, a brave face on for his team. But it's very much a down season, And but it actually set the stage, as we all know, for 1996, which we will talk about on tomorrow's podcast, because 1996 with Steve Sarkeesian at the helm is one of the greatest single individual seasons in BYU history. But Steve Sarkeesian for the season had a decent year for the Cougars. He completed a pretty high percentage of his passes, 250 completions on 385 attempts. He totaled 3,437 yards, 20 touchdowns against 14 interceptions. So passing-wise, BYU's offense did pretty good, all things considered. On the season receiving, Hemahe Muley led the Cougars with 511 yards on 46 receptions, added three touchdowns. He also was BYU's leading rusher with 449 yards and six touchdowns on the ground. Mike Johnston had the most overall yardage receiving, 650 yards to go with six touchdowns. And a certain uh, tight end tandem, which would be key to the 1996 season, emerged in 1995. That would be a Tula Mealy and Chad Lewis. Uh, Tula Mealy had 440 yards, while Lewis had 456 yards. Mealy had three touchdowns. Chad Lewis, two touchdowns. And two other names that will be key we talk about tomorrow in the receiving department. K.O. Keala Louie, 483 yards, two touchdowns. Kaipo McGuire, 359 yards and three touchdowns. So very much a, a wide range of guys receiving the football for BYU in 1995. But the rushing attack did not have the normal impact it had. Hemahe Muli, as you mentioned, 449 yards rushing, six touchdowns. Marky Atuwaya, 374 yards and five touchdowns. And then Tufua Bloomfield, 274 yards and three touchdowns. A thousand yards overall as a team, just not good enough for BYU's offense. And I think it was a big uh, contributing factor to their struggles. Two other names I want to mention before we go on today's show that were standouts on this team, though, include one guy by the name of James Dye. We all know the term, you punt, you die, in BYU football lore. Well, James Dye broke out this year. 20 punt returns for 438 yards. The long, a 90-yard return had two touchdowns on punt returns, added 276 yards on kick returns. James Dye was an absolute stud for BYU in the return department. And then on the defensive side of the football, Eddie Sampson, a breakout season for the Cougars 105 total tackles four pass breakups leading BYU with five interceptions also Tim McTire he would also be a key figure in 1996 he finished second on the team with four interceptions in a touchdown he had to pick six for the Cougars that year Shane Muirbrook 85 tackles four sacks six tackles for loss uh, seven quarterback hits also uh, Matt Redden leading BYU with seven sacks on the season it's a lot of names you probably are listening to saying well Jake these are gonna be guys talk about tomorrow yeah we are going to talk about them tomorrow but we I, we needed to acknowledge 1995 as kind of being that stepping stone to what 1996 ultimately would be it would be one of the greatest seasons in BYU history as I've stated previously uh, the most games ever played in a single season for BYU and in NCAA history for many many years to come we'll talk about all that ahead on tomorrow's show but this 1995 team yes tied for the WAC title see your bull streak come to an end but it set the stage set the I don't know what you want. It said the the placemat, whatever it is, 
for what was to come in 1996. And 96 is a very uh, unique connection in my life. And we'll talk about that ahead on tomorrow's edition of the Locked On Cougars podcast. All right, we'll wrap up today's show with another position preview, talking about right tackles for BYU. We'll dig into that in just a moment. Before we do that, though, today's podcast is brought to you in part by our good friends at Built Bar. They are the best tasting protein bars ever. I mean that sincerely. I am a huge fan of Built Bars. My favorite flavors out there include coconut almond. The cherry barcia flavor is probably my goat, my greatest of all time of the Built Bars. But I'm also a big fan of peanut butter brownie as well as the double chocolate. It's kind of a unique flavor, double chocolate, but it's good all the same. The best part about Built Bars is every flavor I haven't mentioned. There are nine of them that are available called base flavors. They also have limited time flavors that happen to be available every so often. Every single one of them that I have had have been absolutely incredible. So you guys can get to Built.com to learn more about them. What I love about Built Bars, extremely healthy for you guys. The macros in them, most of their flavors, 17 grams of protein packed into the bar, just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. Absolutely incredible. Some of the bars have 18 grams of protein, so packing even more protein in. An uptick in calories to 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. But still, overall, they're all tasty. They're all healthy. Go to Built.com, place your order now. Use the promo code LOCKED15 while you're there, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get 15% off your next order. It's a great way to get a delicious treat to be part of your diet. Do it with Built Bar. Promo code LOCKED15 locked excuse me, at Built.com and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars with Built Bar. One more time out on today's show to talk to you about one of our proud sponsors here on Locked On Cougars, and that is our good friends at First Colony Mortgage. We all know that 1984 was a huge year, the best year in BYU football history. It was also a year that First Colony Mortgage got its start right there in Utah Valley alongside the Cougars. They have a championship team, and they want to help you guys out no matter what it might be involving your mortgage. They are a full-service mortgage lender, meaning from beginning to end, they've got you covered, and they do it all in-house. That's what I love about our friends at First Colony Mortgage. Zach Hicken is our loan officer at First Colony Mortgage for the Locked On Cougars podcast. Any financing that you need for your home, Zach will be there to take care of you guys. Whether you're looking to get into a new home, capitalize on your home's equity with a cash out refinance, or you just want to take advantage of crazy low rates that are still available, Zach will be there to walk you through every step of the loan process, as we mentioned, beginning to end. You can reach out to Zach directly by calling him 801 380 0752. That's once again 801 380 0752. Or check out his website, hickenhomeloans.com. You spell hicken, H I C K E N, hickenhomeloans.com. That's Zach Hicken, NMLS 205 2216. First Colony Mortgage, NMLS 3112. First Colony Mortgage is an equal housing lender. Take advantage of their offer to you guys. They'll take care of you guys from beginning to end, and I'll be sure to follow up if they don't. That's once again, First Colony Mortgage, proud partner with us here on Locked on Cougars. All right, folks, before we go here on a Wednesday edition of the show, let's dig back into our position previews ahead of BYU fall camp. And I'm just looking at this, all these positions I still got a preview. We may be doubling up for the foreseeable future on this podcast, just as a heads up for you guys. But today we are doubling up. We're switching back over to the offensive side of the football to talk about BYU's right tackle position. Right tackle a year ago was actually one of the better positions on BYU's team. It was manned by a couple of different guys, mainly Chandon Herring, but he is now 
with the Tennessee Titans and wishing him nothing but the best as he gets ready for training camp, which begins this week out there in Nashville. But BYU needs to replace the, the guy, replace Chandon Herring at that position, plain and simple. But the good news is, is they have a ready-made replacement, in my opinion, and that is Harris Lachance, the redshirt sophomore, formerly of Harriman High School, a guy who stands six foot eight, three hundred and ten pounds. It's crazy to think that BYU's two offensive tackles, their starting offensive tackles this year, could stand a combined six foot eight and average three hundred and six pounds. But that's what it looks like right now, because you have. Uh, Blake Freeland, who we've already previously talked about, 6'8", 302. And you have Harris Lachance, 6'8", 310 pounds. Talk about twin towers on the corners of BYU's offensive line. But I really like what Harris Lachance brings to BYU's team. He has had focus issues in the past, it seems like, where it seems like he'll take a play off and he'll get beat. But I think he understands the magnitude of what he's stepping into here. He is a guy who is motivated to be the best player that he can be. He was a defensive lineman during his high school career out there at Harriman, uh, originally committed to Utah State before going on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, then came home, body changed, and decided, you know what, I want to go to BYU. I've got family connections there and made the shift to offensive tackle. And by all accounts, it's been a welcome change for him. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do now that he takes on a full-time role on BYU's offensive line. BYU, frankly, needs him to step up because I am concerned about BYU's depth at offensive tackle behind Freeland and Lachance. Just doesn't seem to be the the ready-made guys to come in and take over that position if BYU does have issues with either of them or they happen to get injured, whatever it might be. There are a myriad of different concerns on that front. But currently, BYU's backup at right tackle is an intriguing prospect by the name of Braden Kime. Oh, no, wait. Another 6'8 offensive lineman, you say? Yes. Braden Kime, also a local prospect, a guy coming out of Alta High School six foot eight 291 pounds he has tried to pack on the requisite poundage onto his extremely expansive frame during his time as a walk-on for BYU and Kime to me is very intriguing because he came to BYU I think listed at six eight 240 pounds which is an absolute beanpole considering he was an offensive lineman but by all accounts he's actually developed quite nicely will that translate to him contributing on the field in a meaningful role well that'll be his chance this year to prove that he can be that that guy at right tackle for BYU. There are some other options, obviously, that will be coming in. And uh, during fall camp, we'll talk about some of the newcomers. There are a number of them along the offensive line that we'll need to examine. But Braden Kime, he's got to look at this opportunity, especially at the right tackle position, to say, okay, if I can't unseat Harris Lachance, I need to at least firm up that I will be the number two guy at this position as I am listed currently on the depth chart. We all know that every position under Kalani Satake is always up for a guy beating out the incumbent the starter there and Braden Kimes got to be thinking to himself I've developed here I've put in the time I can go out and prove that I am worthy of playing time if not an outright starting position on this offensive line and he's only a sophomore so Braden Kimes still got time on his side oh that rhymed I like that okay I'm a poet and I didn't know okay I'll shut up now anyways but looking forward uh, to seeing how things play out here at right tackle I do like the length of BYU's offensive tackle so you have guys that stand 6'8", they've got long limbs, they've got those frames that just make it so they can just kind of reach out and redirect that pass rusher out around the quarterback and give whoever is in, ends up as the starting quarterback that extra beat to get that pass
pass away. That's what you want. And BYU's offensive line, once again, they're back in the business of having these absolutely mammoth human beings, especially at offensive tackle. And that alone is exciting. But the proven option is not there for BYU at offensive tackle. And hopefully during fall camp, both Blake Freeland at left tackle and in this case, Harris LaChance at right tackle, they establish themselves as the guys at those two positions, left tackle and right tackle. And BYU can rest easy knowing that, hey, we've got the blind side and we've also got the right tackle position locked down. And that's what you're looking for as you head into the 2021 season. Big season ahead, folks. Looking forward to it. We'll continue to count it down. We're 38 days away from BYU football kicking off the season. Just over a month. Crazy to think, but looking forward to it as we get closer and closer to that season kickoff down there in Las Vegas. All right, we will talk to you guys again tomorrow as we continue on with these position previews. I also get to talk about 1996, a 14-1 season, what went into it, and obviously we'll talk about that Washington loss. We'll get into all of that ahead on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. In the meantime, please follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search out Locked On Cougars. Also, feel free to reach out via email with comments, concerns, advertising inquiries, all of it. You can reach out to us, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. That is the email address for the podcast. All right, until next time, this has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 28th, 2021, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.